Vulnerability is one of the hardest pieces of a strong recovery foundation, but it's also one of the most important. Without embracing the discomfort, you'll never find the connection that is truly the key to thriving once you quit drinking. In this episode, we talk not only about the wins, but also the struggles with special insight regarding men and how they are facing society's beliefs surrounding vulnerability head on. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Steve and Julie. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full, there's no space left for alcohol. Don't forget that you can sign up for our weekly newsletter and become a part of the Through the Glass community. You'll get access to our weekly sober support meetings, bonus content, blog articles, and more. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Do it. That was pretty close. It's close. That's the best way to start a podcast with giggles. Okay, I love you like that. <laughs> So welcome, you guys. It is so nice to see everybody today. Um, we are here with Matt, Justin, and Casey. We're going to do introductions and then jump into this awesome conversation. So I'm going to start with Matt. Matt's returning. This is like, I think, his third third or fourth time back here. He's kind of a through-the-glass regular these days. So how are you, Matt? I'm doing well, yes. Uh, Matt, it is my third time uh, this season with you guys. 38 years old. I'm from upstate New York, town called Burnt Hills. I'm 11 months sober this uh, past Saturday. And actually, you just mentioned um, the release date for this podcast. If everything keeps going as it will, it'll actually be my one year uh, anniversary. Oh, this is going to be awesome. So cool. All right. Yeah, so that will be uh, pretty exciting. Just a little bit more about me is I have two kids. I have a son who is nine and a daughter that is six. And that pretty much takes up all of my free time. So like I said, I'm excited to be here again with you guys. Really good to have you. Thanks for being here. And next, I'm going to go with Justin. Thanks so much for having me on. This is my first time on here. And I am from Tampa, Florida, a little north of Tampa, Florida. I run a page called The Hope Shot. We are a nonprofit organization here in Tampa. We actually had some big wins today uh, for our organization. But um, March 16th of 2018 is my recovery date as when I got clean. And um, so I'm coming up on six years here in March. I'm a father, husband. Um, I got a crap load of kids. I got a 25-year-old that is, and I have a grandson. I have a one, two... I got two 15-year-olds. I got a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> I have a bunch of them. And it would, some of uh, me and my wife have two, I, a few from different ones, but we have two together now. So, Really cool. So it's almost like the Brady Bunch, right? Almost, man. We're almost, we, we didn't actually get the full set. So, um, we're a little shy and we're not trying to do it either. And we're done. We are spent. It is over. Super now we're just cool. counting on the days. No. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Justin. It is absolutely a pleasure to meet you. And just so our listeners know, Justin's information, you can check out Hope Shot online and, and everybody's information is going to be in the show notes. So make sure you check those out. And then last but not least, we have Casey. Hi, I'm Casey. Um, this is my first time on here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, uh, so I'm 30 years old, 5, 7 of 22. This is when I got into recovery. I run a page called F Round Recover. Um, we are in the process of becoming a nonprofit. There's some big things happening. There's some cool stuff happening. Um, it's really connected me to like the internet recovery community. And, you know, I did it with the intentions of helping other people. And then it turned around and helped me way more than I could ever dream. So, you know, I'm just going to keep it rolling. And, you know, I am, you know, the guy with the dark sense of humor and stuff and all that. And, you know, I can't stay out of trouble, whatever, but you know, I love helping people and I love, uh, the opportunity that I have right now. And, you know, I'm just going to keep it going. Right on. Really? Stay out of Facebook jail. <laughs> As he shakes sense in a subject. <laughs> I'm doing better. I'm doing better. One day at a time. <laughs> One day at a time. I love it. So our topic tonight is vulnerability. I just have to make sure that our listeners know how cool I think this is. Um, we don't pick this stuff ahead of time. These guys are all randomly selected. They all just happened to be on this same recording with us. And I think it is so freaking cool to hang out with a bunch of guys and talk about vulnerability because I don't think that's something that dudes talk about a lot. And I think it's something they need to talk about more. And so I just want you guys to know that I think this is super cool that this is how this ended up. And so we talk a lot about connection is the opposite of addiction, how really showing up and letting yourself be seen is how you really connect with others. And it's how you really start to heal. We also know that for a lot of people, showing up with vulnerability is no small task. So that's what we're here to talk about tonight, vulnerability. How has it shown up in your recovery? Why has it been important? And is vulnerability still a challenge for you? Floor is yours. Everybody get a little shy. I mean, I'll talk about it because um, I still feel like I struggle with it, to be honest with you especially with people that I love the most, I feel, uh, at times it's hard for me to, I don't know, like even my kids, man, showing love to my kids sometimes. I don't know. It's from past. I mean, that's what kept me in my addiction for so long was, uh, you know, not having the love that I wanted when I was a kid and having that brought through my whole, you know, being brought up and, you know, my, I was pretty much picked on by my, my family, my dad, he was an alcoholic and, um, you know, my parents, they were all on drugs. So we grew up in a, in a fucked up harsh environment and, um, there was no love to be given. So I, I don't know how, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm learning how to actually receive love and then give love as well. So I I'm, I'm a, I'm a work in progress. Like even six years into this recovery process, I haven't even tapped into half the stuff that that I, I I need to as a human being, you know what I mean? And um, I thought I had it together at two years, you know? I thought I was like, I was winning. 
And then I figured out that I wasn't, you know, I, I mean, I was winning by not using, but it's all the other emotions, the emotional sobriety that we're looking for in this whole scheme of things is trying to un uncover all the damage and all the bullshit that I've, you know, put masks on and try to be this person, that person, this person to try to suit whatever uh, scenario I was in or person I was around or trying to get love from this person, that person, that person. And I'm just learning how to actually let people in and and put break down these walls. Even at six years, it's just starting to take effect. I feel like I just hit a breakthrough this actual year. I, you know, that they, they say uh, your head pops out of your ass at year five. Well, I, I think I did. I didn't hear the actual pop, but... Um, <laughs> But I think I really did actually come, I had a breakthrough at year five, finally, you know, of the thick ass walls coming down, even like really came down this year. And um, yeah, so I, I feel like it's it's a work in progress and I've I've still got a lot to go, but I feel like that's where I struggle the most is accepting and giving love in health, healthy ways anyways. You know what I mean? So yeah. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, I was just saying, I have to, to say with this, when I first read the topic, uh, you know, I kind of initially was just like, yep, I'm out, I'm out on this. <laughs> right, so first thing I did was actually look up the definition of vulnerability, because I know what I think it is, but what is the definition? So I'm going to start with that here. It, well, it is the quality state, excuse me, quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physical, excuse me, physically or emotionally. Now, when you hear that, that is nothing what I would think of when I hear the word vulnerability or being vulnerable, right? I mean, for me, it's um, kind of putting yourself out there, taking risk. But interesting enough for me, so I've been still doing outpatient work the last 11 months and my therapist there she said, I am the most emotional, emotionally disconnected person she's ever worked with. If that makes sense. I mean, I can get to that point where, you know, it's the emotions are there. You're ready. I'm ready to discuss something or something hits me in a weird, uncomfortable way. Man, I can just shut it off. But that is because the whole time I was drinking, that's all I was doing was just shutting off, numbing the emotions, good or bad, you know? So for me, really, this past year has been a lot of, you know, pulling this box off the shelf, opening it up, looking at what it is, really deciding, uh, am I ready for this? Yes, no. If not, I, I put it right back. You know, I still will explore some things, but other things that I am not ready for, I just... Another time, another place. I'm not, you know, I guess I'm not ready to take full risk of, of uh, being vulnerable in every situation. And I, just like I said, the, all the drinking and all of that numbing um, makes it very difficult sometimes. I mean, you speak as well as there's, you know, four, four men here in this conversation and it's, you're, you're brought up as it being a weakness. You know, don't be vulnerable. That's we, you know, don't share your feelings. But then, you know, the last two days here, kind of like thinking about this, and it's 
I've never been in a situation where I've been vulnerable or someone else has been vulnerable with me where they've been harmed or they've been attacked, anything like that, right? It's really looked at as a strength that you can be in this spot where you're sharing something with somebody that, you know, you don't know how they're going to react. I've actually found more in my situation. If, if I start talking about my drinking, it's the other person becomes almost more uncomfortable than I am being nervous, right? Cause they don't know how to discuss addiction or, or anything having to do with, you know, alcoholism or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, it was, a. Uh, a lot to look at the last two days trying to figure out and uh, i appreciate the challenge though because it's helped me to kind of dig a little bit deeper and look at things very differently i appreciate you showing up and being willing to give it a shot and it's a, that, that right there is vulnerability right is. that is a massive the risk. definition of it right there right yeah. i think that i love that you brought the definition i think that's amazing you know most men and like your guys's dads i'm sure would see a man who runs into battle clearly putting himself in physical risk of being injured to be very brave, right? Yep. But that's what we're doing when we show up emotionally vulnerably too. We're, we're going into battle, putting ourselves at risk for something that's important to us and that we believe in. And I think it's very brave. It takes a shit ton of courage to show up and put yourself in a place where it is possible to be hurt in some way. And I mean, it's been proven over and over again that emotional pain is like, it actually affects all of the same pain receptors as physical pain. And so you are absolutely putting yourself at risk. And if you choose to do that because it's important to you, that is a massive show of courage. It's just that for whatever reason, our society doesn't see it that way, especially with guys. For me, I think vulnerability started when I lost my cape. Uh, when I lost my solution, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, that was my, um, that was my identity. That was my go-to, you know, that's how I made anywhere feel like home. You know, there's a lot to be spoken on the bravery of the vulnerability of just showing up sober. I mean, just, I mean, deciding day in and day out that I cannot pick up no matter what. I just went through some stuff on New Year's. You know, some people know about it. Some people don't. You know, crazy situation. I'm still a yes man. I should not have been at two different bars New Year's night. Whatever, you know. Whatever happened, happened. And, you know, it was a consequence of my own decision making. No one else's fault. And... You know, I've been very vulnerable about that situation. I went into a meeting Sunday morning and I was scared of being found out. And that's like my thing is like, you know, even in sobriety and recovery and like everything I've been through, like you still have this like peek over the shoulder, like somebody's going to know something about you and tell somebody no matter what, no matter who, like I struggle. I'm a step guy. I struggle with four and five wholeheartedly you know i would rather share with you guys that i'm never going to see again well i might see you guys again in person but <laughs> like i'm not going to see you tomorrow at the restaurant in town and know who you told what like so sunday morning i just kind of let it fly and i let the i let my home group have it and run with it and you know 
I was sit. I had to chair it because somebody asked me to the night before because they couldn't make it. So, you know, right place, right time. I'm sitting front and center time to shut up and listen. And, you know, I was ready to take whatever they had to give because I knew I shouldn't have been in that situation anyways. And, you know, honestly, like that vulnerability of telling those people what I got going on, because I got to see them again. I got to see them every week. Like mm-hmm. they know how I'm doing. And, um, the advice it wasn't advice it was experience strength and hope but it was like it, i always think the worst thing and i was like they're gonna tell me i'm a piece of shit and then i shouldn't have been there and then it was all my fault and like no they were like it's this stuff happens like the you know when you're you're trying to do the right things and like you haven't always done the right things it's still, you're still dealing with consequences of who you were before, like all the time. And, you know, I had, I had a situation just a couple of days ago where I was the most vulnerable I've ever been. I have a little brother who was born when I was 10. And so it was like six years, seven years after he was born is when I was introduced to opiates and I forgot I had a little brother and, you know, I forgot for a lot of years and, um, my little brother sat on my couch a couple days ago and we had a talk. We are going to take a quick break in production here to let you know Through the Glass Recovery is more than just a podcast. We offer tons of free resources to help support your recovery. We host weekly support meetings. We offer a free private Facebook group dedicated to supporting one another's sobriety. And we have a weekly newsletter full of resources, articles, and information to keep you heading in the right direction. And if you're ready to take your recovery a step further, we offer affordable one-on-one coaching as well. Visit our website to learn more about scheduling a call with Julie or myself. We would love to sit down with you at no charge and see how we can best support your journey to recovery. Visit our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com for more information about everything we offer. And, you know, I didn't think I even had half the ounce of courage it took to say the things I said. And, you know, I told my little brother about how, you know, something that happened in our lives when we were kids. And, you know, right before he was born, my life was real good. And then he was born in life. You know, I resented him from the time he was born. And I told him that to his face. I told him, you know, I resented you from the time you were born. All the stuff happened, the drugs happened, because we played the same sport, but we were just disconnected, like same house disconnected, baseball players. I was good at baseball, got hurt, whatever. He was he was one of the best baseball players I ever watched play. And, you know, we just, we we couldn't connect because of my addiction, like, and my, my fucked up thinking. Like, it kept me distant and away from family, and, you know, God bless the program that introduced me to like a new way of living and like not doing things that way. And like, I would have relapsed New Year's at midnight on the dot if it was not for who I am attached to and like who keeps me here. Like, I probably talk too long, but I just feel like vulnerability has been my thing. And also, like, I got a little you know, autism spectrum disorder going on, a little Asperger's, like, I apologize if I say things, you know, I offend you. Sometimes it's like the filter just not there for me. And I apologize, but that has been my saving grace and recovery is like 
just being open and honest and letting it fly. Like sometimes I might offend somebody, but mostly it's like the reactions are not what I expect because I don't think right. Like I still don't think right. This thing's broken. It's what got me here, but I'm happy to be here and I'm glad to be on here. Well, it's nice to have you here for sure. And listening to you talk and even saying no is vulnerable and not, not saying no. like if, if I don't say no, then it's the fear of rejection or what are they going to think about me? Cause that one, that one, that one gets me every time. What are they going to think about me? And I'm still not supposed to care what other people think about me, but I still do. I'm not, I'm not good at it at all. I'm better at it than I was before, but you're human. Yeah. And, and like you said, Justin, even I can definitely relate to the people that are close to me. They're the hardest. And you would think that it should be the other way around, right? The people that are the closest should be the easiest, but it's the hardest because you don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt their feelings. And me standing up for myself, I then feel like because I have to stand up for myself because that's what's right for me or however that works, then then I'm going to wreck that relationship because I've been punished enough in my past for doing something or saying how I feel or any of that emotionally where I've just shut that down. So going to the people-pleasing route is just easier. It's easier to not be hurt if I people-please except for then I abandon myself in the process. So I was at a hockey game and like, I'm still bad at this. Uh, I was at a hockey game watching my nephew play and uh, there was an old coworker there and we were talking about going to hockey tournaments and stuff like that. And we talked about how all the kids press all the buttons in the elevator and, you know, just take the stairs. Well, he, he said, yeah, sometimes I just take the stairs. I was, uh, I was there at the hockey game. I was, I was there at the hotel and why I thought of telling them that I took the stairs with the kids when I didn't, I just waited for the elevator is still beyond me. It has no consequence whatsoever. I obviously still want to fit in, right? I'm doing something different. And then I like afterwards, I'm shaking my head. I'm going, why? Like, really? There's no consequence to that. But yeah, I just want him to, you know, smile and nod. But so I'm going to put on the mask and I'm going to be someone that I'm not to, I don't even know what, but I still did it. And it's still, I still like, I'm still contemplating this one in my head because just saying those words, nah, I was just patient and waited was vulnerable to me. It was too vulnerable in that situation to actually say the truth, which seems ridiculous, but it's, it wasn't not, not that's the first thing. It's that old wiring you talk about Casey, you, <laughs> you know, it's, I'm wired to just like, oh yeah, you like that? Yeah, I do too. You know what I mean? And I still fall into that every once in a while. And then I catch myself and all of it's about talking about my feelings, always vulnerable and I think the hardest part, there's, there's two hard parts for me for that is one of them is finding the right person to s- talk to about it. 
that's like a game of dice. You're just rolling and hoping to hit a six when you have no idea. Like it's my best guess. And the second one, this is how much is it going to hurt when it comes out? Because a lot of the times the stuff that I really need to say stings on the way out too. Like, yeah, I'm, right. Like I, I find myself, yeah. I'm stumbling over my words and I'm pausing and then they're beating around the bush. And then eventually I can only beat around the bush for so long until it's, I feel like I'm waiting for the perfect opportunity to try and say something or set it up right. And there's you, it, it, it never works out that way. It's never going to come. No, no. So then finally it's the, either the conversation's almost over and then you step in and it's like, well, I have to, I, I, I got to pull this one now because I have to, this is something we have to talk about. And a lot of the times it's about trying to maintain the relationship or say something about, about how I feel about what's going on or something that happened and something that I need to rectify or they need to rectify. Sometimes I'll finish this one. Sometimes I feel guilty for being vulnerable and putting else, putting somebody else in, in a, that position. And that's one of the, also the things that stops me from taking that next leap. I'm better at it, but it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can relate to that because, uh, sometimes I, you know, that's something I've been working on is, uh, you know, old, old habits don't die, you know, once we get freaking clean and sober, you know what I mean? They just mm-hmm. don't, you know, now, now the real work begins is when we start repairing all these false narratives that we put on ourselves and all these rewiring. Cause I mean, for the, what kept me sick for so long is I, I just, I figured I was just fucked up. Like there's no fixing. This is just what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the genes that my mom and dad put together are just, it's just screwed up the model they made in 1982 on May 19th. There's no recalls, <laughs> no parts that are made, you know, like that was my thinking and there's just no fixing this fucked up brain of mine. So this is just my reality and it's just what it is. So I have those false narratives that I put on myself that kept me insecure, that kept me um, being the last man on the totem pole. I got bullied a lot because I attracted what I was, right? I attracted the bullying because I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I thought it was less than less. I thought it was a piece of dirt. Nobody wanted me. I had abandonment issues. I had all these things. I didn't have a role me- a role model in my life. I was on the streets at 14 doing crimes and all the kinds of other crazy stuff. And I was in addiction till I was 35 years old. So all, all these things, these false narratives that I put on myself, all these masks and all these things carried into my, now that my, like like Casey was saying, now that I have my solutions gone, I don't have the comfortability of drugs and alcohol to make me Superman or confident. I could dance. I could do everything with drugs and alcohol. And when you take that away, I had nothing. I had nothing. I was the that shell of a man that I was when I was 14 years old when I first started or 12 years old when I first started. And so now I have to deal with that person or use again, whatever that's going to look like. And I had to really start saying how I feel because if I don't, I have that internal dialogue that's just going to keep playing the scenarios and scenarios. 
and I've 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 only started working on that recently because I want to say something, but then I'm like, it doesn't matter anyways. Like that self worth that I have, minimizing that yourself. I, yeah, like I'm. It doesn't matter what I have to say. Nobody cares what you have to say. You're not that important. Like you know, I'm not. I'm just this no, nothing of a guy, right? But I do have something to say. My my words do have value. My opinion has value. But because I don't value my own opinion, you know, then it it me saying it didn't matter. So now I'm trying to start saying how I feel to people. If I don't like something, I'm going to say it. I'm not going to go with the flow if it's not in accordance because... What I've learned a long time, not not a long time ago, recently, because everything's recent when you can, because it's not that long I've been in this. <laughs> I feel you there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Is we all have to have core values, right? Something that we sit upon when we get into the recovery, we have core values that are like non-negotiables. They're non-negotiable. That's right. Fireworks, baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> non-negotiables. <laughs> That I will not sway from, I will not back down. This is my true self and this is what I'm going to stand upon. And as long as things align with that, then I'm okay. But if they don't, then I have to speak up and say something, you know, just like when I get caught in predicaments where I'm a yes man as well, just like Casey, I, I, I'm a people pleaser through and through because I want everybody to be my friend. I want to be liked by everybody, mm-hmm. even if it puts me in harm's way. Well, now I I try to think about the core values of what I stand upon, what I think is okay, what's right or what's wrong, and then that's where I go off of and go back to my truth, right? And that's kind of what I go on these days. And I make sure that I speak my mind because if I do not speak the words that I want to say, I will hold those in and it's like, damn, I should have did that. Like, damn it, I, I don't know why. Man, like especially at meetings, when I'm at a meeting and I want to share and I don't, and then by, it already gets to the end, I'm like, damn it. And then I hold it in and I'm like, I wish I should share this. Damn. <laughs> you know? It happens a lot. More than, we, more than we think. We want to, you know? Yeah, I for sure. I feel that big time. I feel like you were talking right to me there. <laughs> I I just because I can relate to that whole thing big time. I think that the bit about and and I think several of you have touched on this now is that it's hardest to be vulnerable with the people we love the most. And Steve, as you said, you don't want to hurt them with your vulnerability and that's what holds you back. I think the people that we love the most also have the greatest capability of hurting us. Mm-hmm. If we show up vulnerably and we are met with something other than love and compassion and acceptance, that puts us in a a place to be really, really hurt emotionally. And so for me, speaking up, I mean, that was, that's just what I learned starting when I was a teenager, right? I'd, I'd talk about how I felt. Girls, teenage girls, we have big emotions, y'all. And it's not just me because I have my own teenager and I see that this is true for all teenage girls. But I would talk about how I was feeling And it would get shut down and thrown back in my face. And I'd be told, you know, you're overreacting. You're making a big deal out of nothing. And I was just made to feel so small and so stupid. And that's been the story of my life. And so I learned not to share anything that was important to me. Because if it's important to you and somebody throws it back at you or just, you know, steps on it, 
and crushes it in front of you, it hurts. And if it's someone you love and someone you have an important relationship with and they do that, it is absolutely soul crushing for that to happen. And so I think that that is probably the most vulnerable thing for us in a lot of ways. The other thing to recognize is that when we're vulnerable with another person and they come back and meet us with acceptance and compassion and understanding, that's how connection happens. And for a lot of us, we never experienced that ever in our lives. And so I know for me, showing up in the recovery community was the first time I experienced connection. And I think, Casey, you you touched on this when you were talking about the meeting that you went to. You show up at a recovery meeting and you're absolutely ashamed and you don't even want to talk about what it is you need to talk about, but you force it out and you're met with, oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I've been there. And it's all this acceptance and you're like, like, it's just, it's an amazing sense of connection that a lot of us never experienced in life. It's almost a rush after. Absolutely. After you, like you, you pull that monkey off your back and you throw it in the middle of the room and then it gets taken care of instead of beat, beat up. And when that monkey gets taken care of and handed back to you, it's a completely different ball game, right? That's then, that's being accepted with love and compassion as opposed to rejection or confusion vulnerability with the loved one is hard plain and simple it's just not easy that's why it's been the easiest for me with strangers you dump something on a stranger and just like casey said yeah i'm not going to see you at the restaurant i'm not going to see you tomorrow i'm not going to see you whenever, right? Like it's, it's, it's a lot easier. There's a lot less pressure in that situation. It's why strangers are wonderful for being vulnerable with, because you don't really have a lot to lose and you have a lot more to gain. You can gain a friendship. I can gain a friendship. I can gain the me too. I could also completely lose that conversation and somebody be like, "Mm -mm, nope, but (laughs) I don't have any, there's no emotional clout sitting there being either waiting for like to like be torn away from me that's what it feels like or i've got a lot more to gain we we both have a lot more to gain i think in that situation it's a lot easier for me to show up on this podcast and be super vulnerable and talk about all of the real hard shit going on in my life than it is for me to talk to my husband about all of the real hard shit going on in my life like that's it's true. You know, I, this, I'm, I might be talking to a thousand strangers right now, but they're all strangers. So it's cool. <laughs> it depends on the day too. Like it depends on the day. It depends on, because uh, it took a lot of work for me and my wife to actually be able to get vulnerable with each other because we had that toxicity that we, because we were together before recovery and then we got into recovery together. So we had to literally refine each other and rediscover because we didn't know each other. We knew each other before as drinking buddies and partying buddies. And then we had to rediscover who we were because we're, we're a whole new person and a whole new breed coming into this whole thing. And, and, and I think that we've gone closer because of it, but it depends on the day where we want to get vulnerable. Sometimes, you know, it, she would go through stuff and I go tough. We're, we're human still, you know, oh, or yeah. having a human experience. So yeah. I don't know about you, but I bet you you're stubborn. I know I am. <laughs> I'm a Taurus, man. <laughs> so, 
I know I'm stuck. Or something. That's a rough one, Justin, because that's kind of what I'm going through right now is like the the relationship that was before and is now. Like that's that's probably my biggest character defect is being vulnerable with her, like for real. Like in a productive kind of way. I don't know. Like I, I'm really good at I don't want to say playing the victim, but I still can like family and stuff, I, I still catch myself like, well, this is because of that, or, you know, like something you did versus what the actual cause is. Like anybody else is like, yeah, I'm Casey and I know I'm the problem. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's been proven through and through. Like, but then when it comes to her and it comes to like close family, like my mom and my dad, like I'm, I'm not as good at it. I am not good at it. I'm bad at it. And I'm I'm happy to be here and to be listening because like it's a reminder that like I'm still sick. I still do sick things like not fixed. It is frustrating. I would honestly I I'm not one to say that like I didn't have fun drinking and using because I had a blast. Mm -hmm. But at one point it started being work, and once I crossed that line, I couldn't come back, and I couldn't beat that into my head. And then once I figured that out is it, the acceptance was a whole lot easier but like it i i like still let the little demon tell me what to do like the people pleasing thing i say that i wanted to make them happy i wanted to go to the bar you know i didn't want to be the one that wasn't cool you know i it, you know it's still a me thing it's still it's like recovery is the most selfless selfish act you can do and it doesn't make like why why what you know i'm so like i'm either one way or the other most of the time like there is no happy medium in anything that i do i'm an extremist you know uh that guy from hard knocks talks said one time the disease of more and it just stuck in my head like that's what i got like it doesn't matter what it is who it is like i can do it with people places and things i can use them just the way i can substances and like you know, I, I'm happy that this stuff exists because, like, the stuff that's been talked about here is not the stuff that's talked about in the groups around here. Like, I have a good home group, whatever, but, like, they are just bitch sessions. They are just, like, you know, <laughs> my dog shit in the living room and I had to do this. And you know, like, you know, whatever. Like, okay, your life's hard. Whatever. I get it. But, like, no, honestly, that's... That's where I, I was, and that's why I'm glad. Like, on, the most vulnerable I've been on this page was one month after I started it. My dumbass ended up in the mental hospital because I told somebody that I wanted to get high, and I was on Vivitrol, and that quickly turned into a 5150 and me getting, you know, shipped two hours away for 96 hours. And all I learned from that was I can't get away from me. No matter where I go, there I am, and, like, you know, I, I posted my feet in the ambulance on Everon Recover. And, you know, the support that I got, it's just not even fathomable. I mean, for what I expected and like this, I didn't get any support here. I, you know, a couple people, my sponsor and a couple dudes that I'm close with, I got that support. But like the Internet is where it came from. And like that was kind of the boost to like do this. And then I did shit my way again for a little bit. And now I'm back. I'm like, you know, 
I do, I do feel like sometimes the internet, there's a lot of more support and at times, but there is a, like, I have a tight group of people that I talk to, but do I talk to them every day? No, not really. But if I was going through something, I need to get really vulnerable with them. They're the ones I go to like the dude, Nate, that I I have, I mean, he's probably the closest one I have. And we, we talk all the time and Caesar as well. But, um, I, I feel like, um, yeah, the, the more factor I I'm, I always say I'm not lukewarm. It's either I'm hot or I'm cold. That's it. That's all I got. I got two degrees hot or cold. And I like, I smoking cigarettes, right? I quit smoking cigarettes. I can't vape because I'm not a vapor guy. It's either I'm doing freaking hard shit or I'm not doing it at all. It's just the way it is. And it was fun for me too. At one time, I had a blast back in the day until it wasn't. You know, and that's that's the thing is like the the disease of addiction keeps us to where we can't have fun anymore. It, we have we have used up all our lives and we are done, right? And and dude, you're thirty. Yeah, you you have so much life ahead of you, and this might be, you know, you 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 have a relationship, so you guys both use coming into this thing, right? Is that, is that what you're saying you guys both? I we drank together as much. Yeah, mostly me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was that guy with my wife too. My wife, she was a drinker. I was the the, the doing pills and cocaine and, and strip clubs and all that, everything, anything. Okay, dumpster. And she, um, so she had to, but she had to admit she was an alcoholic too because she could drink just the same as me using. It doesn't matter what substance is; it's the behavior behind it. And finally, we had to have that come to Jesus moment, you know. And, and since then we've both worked on it. She does her own program. She actually is doing a program, you know what I mean? Working with the sponsor and all that stuff. So I would say the best thing you could do is do four and five, buddy. <laughs> it's always what you don't want to hear. You know what I mean? It's, that's what now. And what do they say? You're not allowed to say no. You have to say yes to suggestions. Like, I mean, yeah, I know. I'm really bad about it. I just you'll get there. One five, rough. you'll get one there. One five, it's not as bad as what we make it in our head. It is not. Just, and you know what? The problem is, is we think that they're gonna like you're. We're hot shit, and they want to take all our stuff and start gossiping everywhere. When it, who gives a shit? Taking. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> you gotta do the for us, Matt. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like so, I've. Just one quick thing I had yeah. to spit out. Go for it. Is that like my four and five that I am the most afraid of is the shit that I've done in sobriety. Shit that's happened since I got sober. That's what keeps, has kept me from four and five again. Like the, I did four and five at like the end of my first year and I was happy and I was like, okay, let's brush that under the rug. But Justin, you're right. Thanks for letting me share. It set you free. It set you free. Just to let you know, even they, you know, we ain't perfect coming up in here for one thing. So unless you're you're walking on water now, I don't know if you are, but if you are, then we need to talk. But anyways, but I really feel like we didn't come in here, we didn't get perfect. It's okay to fuck up. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not a steps girl at all. I've never done any anything with AA, but I will say that showing up and talking about the stuff that I'm ashamed of every single time makes me feel better. Every single time with the right person. But yeah, I mean, that's I, I've never done the official steps, 
But that's something that I do on a regular basis now. If I'm ashamed of something, first thing I do is find somebody that I know I can trust to tell them about it because it lets it go. So I'm going to I'm going to get on board and encourage you to to just free yourself, dude. <laughs> so I'm going to throw this out here out there. Being vulnerable with yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ooh, yep. So, I mean, I got a couple of pages of notes here and that is something I wrote down. Right next to it were two things I wrote. Hard to do and you need to be comfortable with yourself. Be able to be vulnerable with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, uh, I don't know, to understand and be able to actually honest with yourself while you're feeling something, right? I guess this kind of goes back to, uh, like I said, when I was drinking, you know, you don't feel anything, you don't really acknowledge good or bad. I mean, you numb everything, but you need to be able to sit back and understand why you're feeling things, right? To work through all this past damage that we've gone through, we've created in our lives. And, you know, maybe this goes into what you guys are talking about, uh, you know, step four and five and stuff like that, whatever. But you have to be able to, like I said, be vulnerable to yourself to acknowledge that we, we are not perfect people. And I mean, I think, you know, for, for some people, that's very difficult to do. Um, but I don't think it, at least for me, I don't think if I could be honest with myself, I couldn't be honest with other people. That's where it starts. That's the, right. like, that's part of the crux of it all is actually saying, saying the hard things to yourself, whether it's writing them down or saying it out loud. And I know for me, when it comes to being vulnerable with myself, if I lie to you, I'm lying to myself. So that's, that, that means I'm not willing to admit whatever that is to myself. I'm already creating that mask. I'm already hiding behind something. But it all starts, I'm going to wrap this up now, guys. It all starts, I think, with a level of self-awareness. And we all start gaining that after we quit and start understanding that, oh man, I'm going to have to start dealing with with myself and to start dealing with the broken thinking we got to be vulnerable with ourselves and with other people like it's 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 really tough being seen when you live behind a mask for so long and really giving that away to someone else being vulnerable is the solution Right, it gives us connection, and that's a huge, huge part in recovery. So I want to say thank you, Justin, thank you, Casey, and thank you, Matt, for joining us tonight and sharing in this awesome conversation. Really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I do. Thank you. To our listeners, as always, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen today. And we hope that this episode has shed some light on your path of recovery. If you found it helpful, please take a few minutes to rate and review through the Glass Recovery Podcast on whatever platform you listen from. It's a great way to let us know you appreciate what we're doing.